Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It is time now for the bigger picture. There are quite a number of things to look at this week. I mean, all this amid the latest earnings season, we're looking at the situation on the other side of the world. And locally, there's news with regard to additional buyer stamp duty. Ryan, give us a a rundown of Mm. everything that you're tracking this morning. Yes, lots for investors to digest. You've got the Ukraine war, the China lockdown, rising prices, the impact on companies and on the front page of the Business Times. An additional buyer stamp duty of 35% will be imposed on any transfer of residential property into a living trust. So this closes a loophole that allows some investors to get around paying those taxes. To get a bigger picture of all those issues, we've got Shikhar Jaswal. He is the Head of Equity Research for RHB Singapore. Morning, Shikhar. How was the weekend? Morning, Ryan. It was a quite restful weekend. All right, that's fantastic. Now, let's dive into the topic on the table right now. And right at the top is the latest move to impose an ABSD of 35% on any transfer of residential property into a living trust. What do you make of this, Shikwa? What's the significance of this on the property sector? Right. So, you know, it's a very small loophole that I don't think was exploited a lot, but had an opportunity available, especially for high-end property rises. Because, you know, this change gets implemented only for transfer of residential property to a living trust, where there is no identifiable beneficial owner at the time of transfer. So, historically, buyer stamp duty was already payable by an residential property transferred to a living trust. So, this is just a small loophole that has now been closed. Our government remains pretty much intact in their view that they need to look at cooling measures being implemented across the board. With that in the mind, we do think there'll be a small amount of negative impact on the property share prices this morning. But on the physical market, this doesn't really move the needle much. Anyways, on a year-on-year basis, on the physical side, we're expecting volumes to taper off, given that we're coming off from a very high base of 2021. So we're looking at primary sales volumes down about 30 to 40% due to lack of new launches. And resale volumes could be down about 10 to 30%, largely from the impact of cooling measures and rising interest rates. But, you know, in terms of pricing, we're expecting it to largely be flat with a range of plus or minus 2 to 3%. And you just announced the news. I mean, over, over the weekend, the new launch sales really had a very strong interest. So we do think prices will remain a Mm, so there is support for prices. Now, let's take a step back and look at the earnings season we've had so far. A lot of common themes I'm getting from the businesses who have been reporting about the current business environment. One of them is, of course, rising costs. And mm-hmm. they have also been painting a picture of how margins may be compressed because of various pressures like wages, also the absence of support schemes. Uh, what do you take away from the latest earnings season, Chico? Sure. So, you know, within our coverage universe, uh, we've got banks, uh, we've got some REITs, telcos, plantations, a handful number of manufacturing and consumer names who have reported results so far. I'll start with the banks because those are the largest index weight and typically drive the sentiment in the Singapore market. So amongst the three banks, you know, for us, DBS and OCBC reported in line. UOB really missed our expectations uh, on lower non-interest income. Banks are all acknowledging that, you know, there's a rising macroeconomic risk. The second half is becoming less certain, especially from the free income side, but nobody's really sounding any alarms in terms of asset quality still guiding for mid to high single digit loan growth so 
So far, we still believe we're going to have a decent year. But in terms of the way banks have played out so far, we've downgraded UOB to a neutral. And we expect that, you know, the rest of the year performance will be largely substituted. Uh, looking at rates, where the major impact on all those cost concerns that we're talking about. So we have office reach that have reported industrials and retail. On the office front, uh, operationally, both Capital and Suntech had improvements in the first quarter. They are guiding for strong demand recovery and positive rent reversions. On the interest rate front, Capital has 70% of its loan at fixed interest rate, Suntec is 50% hedge. So, you know, not major impact for uh, either of them. On utility charges, they are fixed for the current year. And if the prices remain elevated, then there'll be some impact into 2023, not this year as such. Similar trends on the industrial front, where AMC Pack and Ascenders had almost in line quarters. Retail was an interesting point where, you know, almost all retail uh, reads that have reported numbers have reported stable or improved <coughs> occupancy for their properties. This is on the back of Singapore's retail sales going up and obviously we have reopened the domestic economy. Uh, concerns are obviously there on the utility front where charges could actually go up and eat up on some of their DPU growth this year. On the non-retail front, you know, Starhub pretty much in line, Wilmer in line. Mm. But what positively surprised us was Venture and Sengxiong. Uh, now both reported slightly above expectation results and based on a read across from their reported earnings and demand outlook, we believe that, you know, we'll see limited impact from rising inflation, especially for the earnings for these two companies. Okay, so those are some of the names um, that have reported and really um, caught your eye on their commentary. And if you look at what's been happening in China, we've been seeing a lockdown playing out in Shanghai and also mass testing in Beijing. So there's been a lot of speculation about how much that could impact the Chinese economy. Uh, what are going to be some of the headwinds for companies uh, you'll be looking out for? Which are the companies that will be most exposed to a potential slowdown? Okay, on the China front, you know, uh, we are perplexed with the zero COVID policy. We're still trying to get our head around on why it's happening and how long this will last. But the idea is pretty clear. For companies that are listed here and have a direct exposure to Chinese economy is definitely seeing a decline in earnings. And that will probably persist unless we get clarity on the reversal of this policy or at least easing of the policy. But you know, the bigger impact for Singapore's economy is that if China continues to see a slowdown in its GDP growth rate, we will be impacted indirectly because they are our largest trading partners in terms of export hub. They also are largest consumers of exports for manufacturing sectors. You know, there will be an indirect impact on the manufacturing sector here in Singapore, even if you don't have a physical presence in China. So we are a bit cautious on the outlook, especially for companies that have large revenue source or at least operational bases in China. Uh, no specific names to highlight as such, but we do uh, are keeping an eye out on how things pan out, at least for the second half of this year. So far, most of the companies that have reported numbers aren't really sounding any alarm. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, you know, Venture, we were surprised. And they did mention that they do see some supply chain constraints, but, you know, the outlook for demand is so strong that they remain fairly confident that the second half will be better. All right, Shekhar, just to wrap things up, um, what's your take on what's playing out in Europe? We are also expecting uh, possibly a slowdown there with what's happening with the Ukraine war. How will that affect Singapore markets and, of course, the economy here, which might have an impact on business activity? Yeah, sure. I mean, actually, that's a very good point. You know, in terms of direct impact, barring a specific name like Food Empire, which have very large presence in Russia and CIS, uh, the direct impact on Singapore companies has been fairly negligible. We don't really trade a lot with Ukraine. On the Russia side, it's 8% of our international trade. But the bigger concern is on the European side. Now, if this 
conflict prolongs and Europe does enter into a recession, then yes, we will see a significant impact to Singapore, especially on the banks front. You know, 15% of the loan book is exposed to the European Union. So we are keeping an eye out on that. So far, banks have been sounding fairly confident, at least on the loan book front for second half. But if Europe does enter into recession, we will be revisiting our views on that. All right, I mean, Chairman Shikha Jassal, he is the Head of Equity Research for RHB Singapore. Shikha, thanks as always, and we'll catch up again with you soon. Thank you, Ryan. You have a lovely week ahead. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.